Good morning and welcome. I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on, and I want you to turn to the book of John, chapter 6. The book of John, chapter 6. Now, if you don't have a Bible with you, there are Bibles in the back of the pews. Feel free to grab one of those and and flip over to John, chapter 6. If you're not sure where John 6 is, if you're not as familiar with the books of the Bible, that's fine. What I'd encourage you to do is turn to the table of contents at the front of your book, And you're going to look for the New Testament. There are two main sections in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. Go to the New Testament section, and John is the fourth book in the New Testament. Turn to that page number and then flip through John until you find a big six. So John chapter 6 is where we're going today. And by the way, let me say this. If you don't have a Bible at home, if you don't have a Bible that you can read and reference and study, please, at the end of service, grab that Bible out of the back of the pew and walk out the door with it today. We want everybody to have a Bible that they can read and reference uh, and study regularly. So, So let that be our gift to you this morning. Now, as you're turning to John chapter 6, let me ask you a question. If you've ever seen or had a baby, what does that baby do when it gets hungry? It cries, right? If you've been around a child who's hungry, you know that it cries until that need is met or until it cries so hard that it falls, it's, makes itself fall asleep, right? Now, now, my wife and I are foster parents, and we recently, uh, recently, it's been about five or six weeks now, got a little baby in our home. He is now five months old. And through the doctor visits that we do as foster parents, uh, we discovered that his parents, his biological parents, unknowingly uh, misfed him. They didn't feed him enough. And because he was not getting enough nutrition, he hasn't grown to the length that he's supposed to be at the stage of life that he's at. Uh, And so we've been feeding him and feeding him and feeding him some more. And feeding him a little more after that. And in the first three weeks of his life, he gained a pound and a half. he's, He's growing and he's doing really, really well. But let me ask you a question. Why did he gain so much weight? According to the doctors, what was going on? He wasn't being fed enough. He wasn't being, he wasn't getting the, the nutrients and the calories that his little body needed in order to be completely healthy and strong at a baby his age. Now let me ask you a question. When you get hungry, what do you do? I hope you don't cry. <laughs> let me just say that. When you get hungry, what do you do? Well... If you're like the typical person, you stand up and you walk into your kitchen or you get in your car and you drive to the local place that you like to eat. And what do you do? You eat. When your body tells you, I'm hungry, you feed it. Because there's a yearning deep inside of you that makes you want to eat. Now, what happens if you don't feed your body? What happens to your body if you go and only eat once a week? If you ate only once a week, what would happen to your body? Things would not be good, right? Your body would begin to lose weight. You would be weak. You would not have strength. Uh, Would your mind be able to think clearly? No. It would affect every aspect of your being if you did not feed your body on a regular healthy basis. I think some of you probably know where I'm going. 
What happens to your spirit when you don't regularly feed it? Take your Bibles and turn to John 6 with me because Jesus is going to talk about this. Now, as you're turning there, let me give you kind of a recap of where we've been. We're in a series called Jesus. And in this series, we are exploring the entire life of Jesus. We're going to go through the first four books of the New Testament. They're called the Gospels, and they tell the life of Jesus and his ministry and his death and resurrection. And so we're going to spend a long time going through all four of these biographies, the Gospels, on Jesus. Now, we are going to take a sidetrack in that series for the next seven weeks leading up to Easter. And we're going to go through the seven statements that Jesus makes about himself where he says, I am. There are seven times that Jesus calls himself something. And we're going to look at the first one today. So look with me, John chapter 6, starting in verse 25. John 6, 25. Now when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Now let me give you a recap. Why are they saying this? Jesus, the day before, has just fed 5,000 people with just a basket full of bread and fish. Two loaves, five fish, all that stuff. It is a miraculous occurrence. And these people, having experienced this dramatic miracle have now sought after Jesus. During the night, he went across the lake to the other side, and now they're seeking after him, trying to figure out, hey, where'd you go? So that's why they asked the question. Now pick up verse 26. Jesus answered them, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which is the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the good works that God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, will never, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. Catch what he says in verse 40. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks on this Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. 
and I will raise them up on the last day. Pretty interesting passage. They've just been fed. So the day before Jesus says all this, Jesus has miraculously fed 5,000 people. Now, it says 5,000 men. So in reality, there was probably closer to eight to 10,000 people in total that Jesus miraculously fed that day. Then it's nighttime. Jesus goes to the other side. People follow him over wanting to see more miracles. And what does Jesus tell them? You sought after me because I gave you food. Because I fed you. But he tells them that they need to seek after the eternal food. Not the food that spoils. Not the food that even if you put it in a, in a refrigerator, it's going to go bad. But the food that will last for all of eternity. That's what he says to seek after. Then they kind of go off into this thing about, well, uh, well, God fed us with manna back in the days of Moses. And that's a reference to Exodus 16. Basically, they're wandering in the wilderness, and God gave them a miraculous food. It would form on the ground every morning, and it was like a cracker. And he fed them miraculously this way every day uh, while they traveled and journeyed through the wilderness because they didn't have access to lots of food. And so Jesus uh, responds to their saying, you know, God fed us from heaven. And Jesus says, no, 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 it wasn't Moses that fed you. It was my heavenly Father. And then he makes a statement. I am the bread of life. Now think about that statement. He is the bread of life. You see, we all too many times seek after the wrong kind of food, don't we? We seek after what's going to satisfy us in the moment, what's going to satisfy our physical body. And don't get me wrong, you should eat physical food. Jesus isn't saying starve yourself. He's saying that there's a greater food than that. There's something more important than just physical food. You see, we seek the wrong food, and sometimes we think that if we eat two to four times a month, that that's going to be enough for us to keep us spiritually healthy. But Jesus is saying, no, that's, that's not how it works. You see, we make sure that our bodies don't go hungry, but how much time do we spend making sure our spirit doesn't go hungry? That our spirit is fed and is strong and is healthy so that it can do the work that God's called us to do. Here's my big idea for this week. This is that statement that if you've tuned me out and you haven't heard anything this morning, I want you to just hear this one statement. And I want you to think about it this week. Jesus is the only one that can fill our growling hearts. Your heart, my heart, our spirits are growling. They're hungry for something. And that thing that it's hungry for is for the food that Jesus provides, that bread of life. We are need to constantly seek to feed ourselves. So what does Jesus say about it? Look at that last verse, verse 40. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. You see, Jesus' call is simply to believe. L let me divert for just a minute. When you eat physical food, when you go to lunch today, are you going to eat halfway? When you go to a restaurant for lunch today... 
Are you going to sit down, you're going to order, and that plate's going to come out, and the waiter's going to go, here you go, do you need anything else? And you're going to look out and say, no, everything's good, thank you very much. And you sit down, and you take that bite, and you chew, and then spit it out? No. You chew, and you swallow it, don't you? You don't eat halfway. Or, or let me ask you this, D does the waiter sit the plate in front of you and ask if everything's okay, and you say, no, everything's great, and you just sit and look at it? And you think about it. You know, this enchilada here is made with, and you just think about it, and it sits on the plate uneaten. Is that what you do when you go to a restaurant? No. Or do you do this? Set the plate down. He asks everything's okay. No, it's great. And then you look at it and you go, if I was to eat this food, my body would ingest it by allowing my stomach acid and you do you think about the process that your body goes through to to take the nutrients and digest that food you may think about that but it doesn't mean you don't eat the food you don't order food and leave the hot steamy delicious amazing plate sorry <laughs> you don't leave the plate untouched I had lunch today, or today, I had lunch this week uh, with a couple members of our church, uh, and they, they paid for my meal, and thank you for that, and, and as we ate, none of us just sat and watched the food. We didn't sit and watch each other eat. We ate our food. What's the connection point? Thinking about eating is not eating. Knowing nutritional facts about what you're eating is not eating. Thinking about the process that your body goes through in digesting food is not eating. And the same is true with your spirit. Thinking about Jesus is not believing in Jesus. Knowing a lot of facts about what this book says is not believing. Knowing the process and understanding the theology of how Jesus rescues us from our sin is not believing. Believing is having a life-changing, hope-filled relationship with a man who came and died for your sins 2,000 years ago. You see, Jesus came, a perfect sinless man, because he was and he is the Son of God. And at the end of his life, an innocent man was hung on a cross. Despite having lived a perfect life, he died for your sins and my sins. Because every single one of us are sinners and we need somebody to save us. Because there's not enough good works on the planet that you could do. You couldn't give enough money to the poor to get your way into heaven. Because your sin has created a roadblock between you and God. And you can't do it. I can't do it on our own. We need somebody to come in and rescue us from our sin. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus came and he died and then he rose from the grave so that you and I could live eternally. That relationship between us and God our Father, that relationship that's damaged and broken, Jesus came and fixed it. But you can't reap the benefits. You don't get to go to heaven if you just know about Jesus. If you know facts or you know theology. Or you think about Jesus. That's not how it works. Belief is not about knowing something. It's about having a relationship with someone. 
and allowing that someone to change your life. That's what Jesus is saying here. I am the bread of life. Jesus alone can supply all of our spiritual needs. There is no other religion, there's no other person other than Jesus himself that can rescue us and supply for our spiritual needs. But that brings me back to the question, how often are you caring? How often are you providing your spirit with the bread that it desperately needs? I said that knowing about and thinking about and knowing the theology of Jesus is not what saves you, but it is important because we need to know who it is that saves us. We need to have a right understanding of what he wants us to do and who he is. And so while knowing is not enough, it is essential to how we live out our faith. And that means we need to be feeding our spirit. And let me be very frank and very blunt here. Sitting in those pews, sitting in this building once a week is not going to spiritually feed you enough. There has to be something done throughout the week, every day, to feed your spirit. You don't just eat the bread of life once and you're done. It is something that you're constantly being filled with through the Spirit of Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. So, what is believing? It is giving your everything to the kingship of Jesus. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price, is what the Bible tells us. You don't belong to yourself. Outside of what Jesus gives you, you have no rights to yourself. You've been bought. And when you believe, that means that you submit everything to him. That you lay your life, your opinions, uh, your, your beliefs, everything goes and lays down at the feet of Jesus. And you tell Jesus, it's yours, you do with it what you want. Change it into what you want it to be. Believing is allowing him to change every aspect of your life. It is dying to yourself and living for him. That's what belief is. Belief is doing away with the concerns of this world and focusing on the desire and direction that he has for your life. Guys, this world is never going to fulfill the physical and spiritual needs that you have. It will always let us down. It will always fall short. You're going to eat a meal sometime today and you're going to get hungry tomorrow. Food will always let you down, but the bread of life never does. It's always there. It's always providing if you will be willing to let him change you. Believing is placing all of your hope in Jesus. There are a lot of things in this world that are wanting us to place our hope in them. Money is one of the things that we place our hope in. Physical health is one of the things we place our hope in. Our family is one of the things we place our hope in. Our career is one of the things we place our hope in. Politics is one of the things we place our hope in. But none of those things can truly provide hope. It is only Jesus Christ that can truly give us eternal hope. Because none of those things are going to allow us into heaven. It's Jesus that will. Believing is living in the fact that without Jesus... Your destiny is eternal death. 
And I know that sounds harsh. And I know that's a downer. But the truth of the matter is, is that's the truth. There's no getting around the fact that without Jesus, our eternal destination is death. Over and over and over. But Jesus gives us perfect life. Believing is placing your confidence and your life in Him and His truth. You see, Jesus is the bread of life. I mentioned in the discussion that He had just fed 5,000. And here's the thing. The bread of life, that feeding of the 5,000, is an illustration of what's to come. It's not a coincidence that Jesus fed 5,000 people and the very next day said, I am the bread of life. The two are interconnected. The fact of the matter is, is Jesus is trying to show us that the bread of life has no limit. That if there's someone who will believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they will be rescued and saved from their sin. From the eternal consequences of where their sin would have taken them. Jesus, as the bread of life, is available infinitely to anyone who would accept it. And that's where you and I come in. We've been encouraging you uh, to focus on leading one person, focusing on just one person through the Who's Your One campaign. We started a few weeks ago. You saw the big display, that big, hunky, wooden structure that's out in the foyer. We're encouraging you to be intentional about praying for Focusing on building relationship with and having intentional discussions with at least one person in your life. Now I get it, some of you have three people, and that's great, that's great. There's, we just want you to have at least one, just one, to start out with and be intentional with. Uh, the display out there has these ping pong balls, and we've got a little uh, piece of paper that, that describes it, so you don't have to memorize this here. But the white ping pong ball symbolizes invitations to church. And so anytime that you have the opportunity and you share uh, with your one and invite them to church, we want you to take a white ping pong ball and we want you to drop it in the plexiglass. There's a little opening at the top of the plexiglass. You can drop it in and the ball falls in there. There's already two of these white balls in there. I'm so excited about this. The yellow ball symbolizes the light of Christ. And we're actually going to hear about that statement next week. Todd Miller is going to preach next week on I am the light. And so the yellow ball symbolizes that Jesus is the light. And so if you have a gospel conversation with, with your one, we want you to drop a yellow ping pong ball in there. A gospel conversation is that conversation where either you say, here's how Jesus has changed your life, do you have questions? Or it's that conversation of, here's who Jesus is, and you walk them through the gospel. But it's that spiritual gospel conversation that you have. And guys, here's what I want to see happen. We've got a few hundred of these ping pong balls in all colors. I want to see so many ping pong balls in that that we have to build another display. I've got another ball in here that I haven't mentioned yet. And you're not going to see this color out in the bins out there. The blue ping pong ball represents baptisms. People who have come to know Christ because you and I have had conversations and invited them to church so that they can be rescued from their sin. And here's why we don't have any of the blue ping pong balls out there. Because when someone gets saved 
And they get baptized in these baptismal waters or they get baptized uh, privately at someone's pool and they step into that life-changing relationship with Jesus. We're going to take a picture of them personally taking their blue ping pong ball and dropping it into that container, into that display. Guys, here's what I want ultimately. Let's fill that thing up, but let's fill it up with these. Let's fill it up with salvations, with lives who were formerly dead and are now alive in Christ. Let's do that. Let's lead people to the life-changing hope of Jesus. So that's why we have these ping pong balls out there. Now you may be saying, well, well, how do I do that? What do I do? First off, I've said it. Just love on them. Build relationships. Pray for them. Not just for their salvation, but Pray that God would move in their lives, that he would use other people, that he would bless, that he would move on their hearts and their minds. If you're interested, there's prayer guides that are available. Uh, You can pray for your one for 30 days. Uh, Also, we've got these three circle guides out on the tables. These are are ways to learn how to have a gospel conversation with someone. It guides you through the entire process, start to finish, of explaining what Jesus did to save everyone from their sins. So I encourage you, grab one of these. Learn it. Understand how it works. So that when the opportunity comes, whether you've got this in your pocket or not, you can have that spiritual conversation with them. There's also an app for this. It's called Three Circles uh, Live Conversation Guide. Uh, If you go on your mobile device, you can grab one of these, uh, or pull this up on your mobile device on your app store, and you can download it, and it'll walk you through the whole process on your mobile device. One way or the other, however you do it, be intentional. If we're not leading others to the bread that Jesus has given to us, why are we here? What's the point in us sitting in this air-conditioned building if we're not bringing others to come to know him? Changing this city and this world in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here That's what we're here to do. One other thing, um, me and several others have committed to pray by name for your one every single week. Uh, And so let me ask you this. We currently have 202 names on our Who's Your One list. These are 202 people whose names you all have given who do not know Jesus as their Savior And I want to continually be praying for these names. And so if you haven't given your name, if you weren't here the Sunday when we submitted those names, write down that name on a Connect card and give it to me or drop it in the offering box. Just put, who's your one? And put that name there so that I can be praying and our prayer team can be praying for that name. But here's the question. Is your understanding of Jesus just head knowledge? Or is your belief in Jesus the defining, life-changing faith that feeds and changes every aspect of your life? You see, Jesus is the bread of life. And that bread is available to anyone and everyone. But sometimes we need to stop and re-examine ourselves. And we need to ask ourselves, are we truly believing the way this book right here describes belief are we truly believing in jesus as our lord and savior will you join me in prayer almighty god we thank you so much for today we thank you that we have the opportunity 
to know you as our Lord and Savior. And Lord, we pray this morning that as our Lord and Savior, that you would change our lives. And in that changing, as the bread of life, that in that changing, you would lead us to bring others to know you. That your bread would be accessible to our one, to those people in our lives who don't know you. Lord, help us to truly believe in you. Not with head knowledge, not with knowing theology, but instead with having a life-changing relationship with the one and only person who can truly save us, rescue us from our sin. Lord, help us to truly believe and lead others to believe as well. We thank you so much, and we lift all of this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.